I'm sure by now you've heard about the results of the latest Hakes auction. Maybe you haven't had a chance to look through everything, but you've seen some of the highlights, and they're still quite shocking to you. The premier piece of the Star Wars segment of the catalog was the prototype rocket-firing Boba Fett, the original design that never made it to retail. One that came from a former Kenner employee who gave away a number of them to trick-or-treaters during a Halloween between the first two films. And that prototype that sold at Hakes broke a public record for rocket fets, crossing the $200,000 mark. But the bigger story may be what happened throughout the entire Star Wars auction. Frenzied bidding gave way to sheer insanity as high-grade carded figures and boxed items broke records of their own, selling for prices beyond what any collector imagined. The second half of the auction was just as shocking as the first half. Clear bubble Return of the Jedi figures began their climb toward the territory of 12-back prices, or at least where the Empire Strikes Back figures had landed. The demand for Revenge of the Jedi proof cards, the pre-production card backs that bore the Revenge logo instead of the Return logo, drew equally surprising results. And the prices for the 1985 Power of the Force carded figures continue their upward trajectory toward the stratosphere. Fortunately, Matt and I are here to help sort out what actually happened. And Matt, the mad data scientist, went into his laboratory the morning after the auction ended and created a spreadsheet that will help to give us all a better understanding of the sales and trends of Hake's Auction 234. This is the final part in a look at the Star Wars items of the latest Hake's Auction. This is a conversation with my good friend, author and fellow collector, Matt George. This is a wrap-up of $36,000 Jawas, The Wonders of Wistry, Yellow Bubble Bespin Guards, and a whole lot of laughter. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. George, here we are again. We are going through the second half of the Hakes catalog and, and taking a look at some of the stuff. Uh, the prices realized from Return of the Jedi and from Power of the Force droids and Ewoks. And as we learned in the first one, I mean, we're seeing prices that we've never seen before. This was truly an outstanding auction. The pieces that were offered in this one were incredible. And the prices were safe to say shocking. I think you and I both came away from it pretty surprised. So how are you doing today? Doing real well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. 
Everything's good. I'm excited to see you know what what you have in store for us. Uh, you shared with us some of the data points that you would. Uh, put together from this wonderful spreadsheet, and you've offered uh, the spreadsheet. You're making it available to anyone who wants it. They can just contact you. Um, so, Matt, how can they get in touch with you if they want to see the spreadsheet? Uh, just shoot me an email, mattgeorge512 at gmail.com, um, or just send me a message on Facebook. Either way. Yeah, and so uh, can you give people an idea of what's in this spreadsheet? Sure. So I took each item, uh, since so just the Star Wars toys and uh, toy related items, um, I just dumped all the, the final, um, you know, the values and the prices and the ranges uh, into a spreadsheet here in Excel and then added some, some attributes. So with, if it's a production or prototype, what country it's from, if it's a sealed box or if it's a, you know, a carded figure, what back it is, who the grading company was, what grade it got, if there are any qualifiers. Um, and then, you know, I'm just kind of slicing and dicing the, the data in a number of different ways just to look at it in bigger chunks, um, just so you can help identify trends more easily that way. So that's what I've done here. And um, yeah, there's a lot of really eye opening information once you start looking at it at this level of granularity. And, and this is a really deep look at the Hakes auction that really nobody else is doing. Um, and it, it's just it, it's great because it, it helps to give us as collectors an idea of where this this current market is going, um, what items are are popular, which items are maybe less so now and maybe which ones are on the horizon. Um, and, and that helps us to keep an idea of what pieces we need and, you know, making sure that we can get pieces before they, they spike even further. Uh, and then just to kind of, you know, ride the wave of the different trends and, uh, and just to be aware of everything. So Matt, great job. Um, I'm sure you have a lot for us here with, uh, with return of the Jedi. So let's dive in. Let's do it. So we are taking a look at Jedi garbage or Jedi garb. For <laughs> sure. Um, just in general, Jedi performed very, very well in this auction. Um, not, to the degree that um, that Empire performed, um, but it uh, definitely held its own. It was towards the kind of the higher end of the range, like all Jedi production combined exceeded the uh, the high end of the range um, by twenty one percent. So very strong to to benchmark that uh empire was up 40 percent to the high end of the range and then star wars the first move was up four percent so um right there in the middle uh between the two so a lot of interest within return of the jedi for sure um specifically where we saw the big uh movers and shakers was in the 65 backs um so very much along the same lines as the 20 back uh, the 41 back, the 30, 31, 32, it's, it's in there with that group. So, uh, people are clamoring for these 65 clear bubble figures. Matt, did that surprise you at all? Cause I, I know that they've always been desirable. You know, it's very hard to find clear bubble return of the Jedi items. And so of course people do pay a premium for them, but were you surprised at how well this section of the auction fared? 
Uh, no, not at all. Um, I actually broke down within Return of the Jedi production, uh, clear bubble versus yellow bubble, just to illustrate the, the disparity between the two. So clear bubble, Return of the Jedi figures exceeded the high end of their range by 40%, and yellow bubble characters ex- uh, were below the high end by 28%. Um, quite a... a stark difference between those two so clearly these folks are, are all about these yellow these uh, clear bubbles here so that's really what's moving the needle so if we were looking at an estimate for an item that had a clear bubble and the estimate was 400 to 700 dollars you're saying that most of these were performing is it on average 40 percent higher than the high end of the estimate so 40 40 percent higher than that that 700 dollar estimate yes that's incredible. Which, and then the uh, yellow bubbles were 28% below the high? Below that same mark, yep. Okay. Yep. Um, there were a lot of clear bubbles uh, figures in this auction from Return of the Jedi. We had $47,000 worth of sales in clear oh bubbles. <laughs> Return of the Jedi, yeah. Uh, and only 9,400 were yellow bubbles. So... Again, this was one of the highlights of the auction, was just the, this great uh, quality and condition of these items. And it showed in the final pricing, which I guess we can get into now. We can start off with the what's the 65 backs, because that was by far the, the best performing part of these. Um, we kind of talked about it at the last uh, on the last episode, but General Medin... <laughs> Our good buddy with the bad beard. Um, do you care to venture what he wound up going for? It was a now. Keep in mind, it was a four hundred to seven hundred dollar range. We talked okay. about the the fact that we thought this would exceed the range. But uh, what do you think it wound up going for? I have to be honest. I, you and I had talked about it yesterday. I looked and it was. Before the auction ended, it was $900. It was one of those that I just lost track of, so I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to say $1,100. $1,687. So not only did we blow okay. by 1000 bucks, wow. we blew by $1,500. Wow. We are on our way to 2000 I think you and I were talking when we say fifteen hundred. I, I that reminds me of of kind of the range of where we thought something like a thirty one A Han Solo Hoth graded at an eighty five would sell for. Yeah, and I you know I thought that the Akbar would get up there. Uh, this was a clear bubble Akbar. He's he's tougher to get, so I thought he could be at that you know fifteen hundred to two thousand, and he did. He got up there at same price as Medine sixteen eighty seven. I just didn't think that Medine would get up there that right there with it. It's just shocking. Have we ever seen a General Medine sell over $1,000? I personally haven't. Well, we, we were joking earlier that we're going to start calling this one the, the, the Uno logo Medine. <laughs> the Trent logo Medines go for, you know, 17000 something, probably even higher now. Right. It's, one of the, um, it's, it's the toughest... Uh, tri logo piece to find, right? Yeah. Um, and then 
here we've got the <laughs> we'll call it the Unilogo. Unilogo uh, Medine. You know, that's it. it's now at seventeen hundred bucks, which is just mind blowing. Um, I wanted to call out the Emperor's Royal Guard. Now, this is a beauty. This was straight eighty-five or uh, eighty-five um, clear bubble, sixty-five back B. You know, four to seven hundred. This is one that we thought would be up there with the Akbar as very popular in this line. It was the most popular really? of all the okay. 65 packs. I'm, I'm yes. currently not looking because I'm, I'm curious to see where this stuff wound up. Um, I, did we say, or did you say that you would estimate it to be in like the $1,500 range? Was that what you were guessing? Yeah, I think it was 1500 Yeah, 1500 to 1750 something like that. Okay, I think I was lower. I think I was around like the twelve dollars or $1,300 range or twelve to fifteen something like that. Yeah, we were both way off. Uh, it wound up going for, for 209% higher than its high-end estimate, $2,162. <laughs> that number again, $2,162. For a clear bubble, Emperor's Royal Guard. Yes, Um, Jawa 65 back a 85 clear, clear car or clear bubble four to $700 estimate. 1,416 dollars oh for a Jawa. I would have said, no, I mean, they're, they seem to be more fairly common. Um, yes. Wow. I would have said. Something like nine hundred as a high. Well, my friend, we are now in the world where Return of the Jedi Jawas are fourteen hundred dollars plus. Were there any clear bubble Return of the Jedi figures that sold for under a thousand? Uh, yes, there were a couple actually. Um, Reyes eighty five clear bubble. Nine seventy-seven. Okay, it's still mm-hmm. high. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I think if that, if that wasn't the made in Mexico one, because Reese is one of the toughest figures yeah. to find, um, yeah, that would have sure. gone for an insane amount of money, for sure. Um, Rebel Commando, eighty-five clear, sixty-five B, eight sixty-four. Wow. Um, our friend Lando Skiffguard, 65A, 85, clear, 779. Mm. Okay. And Squidhead had a little tinge to him, um, 474. Okay, I'm looking through the list now. Um, I'm... I'm surprised that the nine num sold for eleven hundred dollars. Yeah, it was graded as clear, but it has um, some yellowness to it now. Um, so yeah, that, I think we said we thought it would get to a thousand. I think this is like right where we thought it would get to. Yeah, I, I think don't... I was under a thousand, but just kind of butting up against it. Yeah. Um, so, I, again, I think. 
if this was truly clear and the gun was still taped to the bubble, I think it'd be, it, with, it'd be with Medina and Akbar <laughs> for sure. Did you ever think you would say that sentence? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I did not. All right, let's uh, move on to the. Oh wait, so there's this one isn't clear, but it's or I think I think the tray is, has yellowed, but it's one that we didn't uh, cover yet. Um, the Gamorian Guard. Oh, you know, right, that was one right, that you yeah. were you were high on, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it wound up going for twelve oh nine, and just the, the tray. Is, yeah, just the tray was. It's just a slight tinge. You can't really tell from the front, and the bubble is really nice clear so uh very similar to the nine num i think that one was at six hundred dollars for a little while and i felt that that was pretty high you know or just it was it was high enough already where i didn't know if it would go much further and it doubled so that's Mm -hmm. that is certainly a shock wow matt craziness Mm -hmm. and you said that 65s were the most popular uh, and or performed the the best out of any of the Return of the Jedi items. Uh, well, the the two packs I guess performed better, but there were just very few of them, smaller sample size. The 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 sixty fives were just uh, you know really really outperformed the seventy seven seventy nines, and then the other um, the other items within Return of the Jedi, but and the Empire stuff, right? Yeah, the Empire stuff, um, you know, the the uh, the 2132 and 41s performed really, really well. And then the sealed box stuff performed really, really well, too. So the 65s were kind of lumped in there with those. Not quite as good as those others compared to the, the high end of the range, but still sure. uh, incredibly strong performance. Okay, let's play a very quick game here. Um, you can choose one for around the same price. You can either buy a Revenge of the Jedi Imperial Snowtrooper proof card, graded at an 80 plus, for $2,076. Okay. Or you could buy a, I mean, we're being close here. So a General Maydean 65 back B, graded at an 85 with a clear bubble for 1687 Or, if you'd like, you could buy a Return of the Jedi Bib Fortuna 77 back A quality control sign-off pre-production piece graded at a 75 for $2,002. I'm sorry, for $2,200. I mean, that's sort of the the range where we're we're looking at. And and maybe throw in an Emperor's Royal Guard with the clear bubble for $2,100. Yeah, that's just... Shocking. There's no words. <laughs> Matt, I see here we have a loose Taiwan FET. So we previously discussed the Hong Kong FET that sold for $900. Uh, the Taiwan FET did not fare as well. I believe it was a little lesser of a grade. It was an 80 plus, And it sold for $471. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit on the last episode. There are tens of thousands, tens of thousands of these out there. I, I guess uh, again, everything Boba Fett just uh, 
You got to pay the Fed tax. I guess the Fed tax is <laughs> yeah. going up with inflation. It's amazing. Um, how did so? According to your data points, how did the seventy-seven backs do? Seventy-sevens were. Um, they didn't quite get to the high end of the range, uh, but about three quarters higher than the, uh, or seventy-five percent, I guess, higher than the than the low end. Um. Not nearly as popular as the 65 backs. Unless your name is Pruneface, apparently. Uh, well, poor Pruneface was the big loser of this whole auction here. Sorry, Fannis. Well, no, there were there were two Prunefaces. This is a tale of two Prunefaces. We have one Pruneface. That- 177A that sold for 172. What did the 77B sell for? 77B sold... <laughs> Sold for one. Th- <laughs> I can't even get it out. No, no, no. One thousand two dollars. Okay, so that it it definitely had to have a clear bubble and something special with it, right, Matt? Uh, you tell me. At the time of grading, the blister was clear and has since yellowed slightly with age. So, unfortunately, no. This is a 77B, which, again, it's a B, so maybe it's a little tougher to find, but I don't think it's that much more difficult to find. And um, straight 85s, but uh, I've just, I've never seen a prune face sell for over $120. You mean <laughs> over $1,000? Well, no, now I've seen one sell for over 1000 it's quite quite the jump there, Mr. Prunface, from $120 to 1000 Yes. I just picture the person buying that like they're going to get the box from Hakes. They, they undoubtedly bought other things. And they're just going to be going through it, and they're going to get to that one and be like, wait, I bought this? <laughs> That money was supposed to go to a Luke prune. Mm. Mm. I I hope to hear that it's a similar story. Maybe this one in a way, this is our um, Tuscan Raider that sold for 7,800 in the last one. And Mm. we didn't know why. And we thought that was crazy. And then we found out that it was essentially one of the earliest ones. And it has slightly, you know, it has reddish gloves. And I think like a reddish belt, which makes it one of the earliest ones. Maybe there's a, a really interesting story behind this 77B for $1,000. But con- congratulations to whoever yes. shelled yes. that money out for this one. Well, almost as surprising here is Force Sensitive Tebow, <laughs> 77A, Clear Blister 85, $1,019. Kenner Canada. Unbelievable. Well, and and next to that one is our friend B-Wing Pilot, arguably the most popular Return of the Jedi character ever created, or the one to most likely visit the clearance aisles and the the, the, uh, store shelves and sit there for years. Um, This one graded at an 85, did have a clear bubble at the time. I believe it's no longer clear. 
mm-hmm. and has since yellowed. And Matt, what was the closing price with the 18% buyer's premium on this one? I know at home, you, you all are looking and saying, well, it's a B-Wing pilot, so it probably has to be in that 60 to $100 range. Right. Um, this right. one had... Two ninety subgrades, though, so that might bump it up twenty five dollars. Uh, the blister was clear as since yellowed, but it's still slightly, you know, it's clearish. It's okay, Matt. Where are we at with this one? Yeah, so this was a two hundred to four hundred dollar range, mm-hmm. um, and we and, got and immediately we would guess that it would be sort of in the low end of the of the range, right? Like at the beginning of the auction, we were guessing that it would probably we were guessing that it would land at the lowest point of its range. Which makes total sense. Um, And then the auction started and people started bidding on this and then it didn't stop. Um, (laughs) No, it didn't. It took off. And it, I'm almost ashamed to read this out. Um, As a matter of fact, like I don't want to do this, but for the sake of this, I'm going $974. Oh, and that brings us to the next one, the next head scratcher. Um, so Matt, Klaatu Skiff Guard, pretty popular. This one might have had a clear bubble initially. This one's graded at an 85. The bubble is since yellowed. It is an 85. It's unpunched. Um, this is another one that you could get and probably still get ungraded somewhere around $100. Matt, what did this one sell for? It sold seven hundred and eighty-five dollars. You could actually hear the insides of his soul hurting as he said that. Oh my God! Deep breaths. We got this. Moving on to a character that you you do like, though the eighty-eight. Good news for the eighty-eight. Yeah, it, oh man, I wanted this one until it got to be just. It, it ended at one hundred and sixteen percent over its high end, like eight hundred and sixty-four dollars. This is historically a right there with the B wing pilot, hundred bucks, hundred twenty-five bucks, but no, in this new world, it's a, an eight hundred and sixty-four dollar figure. Make it make sense. And Matt, I have to I give you credit. The um, when we were talking about the Poplu, which was a, a seventy nine back C, so it's it's one that's at the very very tail end of the Return of the Jedi line. You don't see a lot of seventy nine back Cs available. Uh, this one was an eighty five with a clear bubble. Again for Poplu, uh, Poplu W Warwick, and mm-hmm. um, you would guess that it would sell for around $800 and you came awfully close. This was, this one brushed up against the high end of its uh, estimate at 400 to $700 and it, it landed at 681. Yeah. A little murder bear. A little, a little, uh, what were they? Speeder bike thief. Is that the <laughs> one that climbed on the speeder bike? I think bike so. Yeah. And... He jumped on the speeder bike. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's cool to see him pop up with that, uh, again, that made in Mexico, that clear, that clear bubble, probably, uh, if that was a power of the force clear bubble, it would have undoubtedly gone much higher, but still good performance there. 
Mr. Lou. So Matt, from your spreadsheet, um, what else can you tell us about the Return of the Jedi stuff? Uh, let's take a look here. Uh, we talked about clear versus yellow. Um, two packs we talked about a little bit. You want to get into, there's, I think, two two packs. Let's pull those up here. Sure. We so had, we, we had um, a Bib Fortuna, that classic Bib Fortuna Snaggletooth matchup. Um, well, no, no, it, it's Bib Fortuna and the upside down Snaggletooth. Upside down and inside out. I'm about to show you folks what it's all about. So this one is graded AFA 70. Um, yeah, he upside down, backwards, Snaggletooth. He, he, he doesn't know what's going on. Uh, we had a range of 700 to 1,000. SDQ. <laughs> Would you care to wager what this ended at? I'm just going to take a total guess, a total just random guess, and I'm going to say $3,504.60. God, you are spot on. I, I was staring at this one. Yeah, no, I, I pulled it up. So, 250% higher than the high end of the estimate. <laughs> wow. These two uh, packs did really well. You're right. I mean, this is amazing. I mean, I know there's a couple folks out there that specialize in two packs and i guess they focus on i mean it's something like they got to <laughs> consider selling their uh their collections to capitalize on this craziness and buy an island yes i mean okay the next one it's that classic han hoff <laughs> leia bausch it's the transition between the two films mashup yes so they got all Almost all climates covered here between these two. <laughs> you got the uh, AFA 75 condition. Estimate 700 to 1,000. Would you care to guess how much this one went for? Sure, because I'm staring right at it. I will guess, again, randomly, totally randomly, $2,475.24. Crazy. Uh, I would not be shocked to see many more two-packs. Uh, coming up in subsequent auctions. I mean, when when you and I were going over these in the Return of the Jedi segment of the Hakes auction, when we were looking at it before the auction closed, the prices were up already. I think they were somewhere around maybe a thousand for the two pack uh, Han and Leia, and then somewhere around maybe fourteen hundred for the the Bib and, and Snaggletooth. I don't think we expected to see these numbers, though. No, no, absolutely not. Is there one that surprises you more? Uh, no, they all do equally. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess rounding out Jedi garbage, we will, um, take a look at the, the prototypes in general, the prototypes, uh, we, you know, we talked about in the last episode, but, um, they underperform production versus kind of what the, the expectations were. Uh, and then specifically within Return of the Jedi, uh, the Jedi prototypes were, uh, they lagged, you know, well behind Star Wars and kind of trended along with Empire Strikes Back. Um, but, you know, right in smack dab in the middle of the estimates uh, 
for these items. And they were really helped out a lot by some of the revenge proofs. So if you take the revenge proofs out of the equation, the, the Return of the Jedi prototypes really, really underperformed. That's fascinating. And, you know, it's funny. I think the Revenge of the Jedi proofs in past years really started to dip in value or just they weren't as in demand as they had been, I think, by the time that the sequel films started to gain traction and people started to pile back into the hobby again. Um, but we're, we're seeing prices now that, that seem to be impressive for them. Yeah. Uh, the Revenge stuff definitely performed well. Um, if, uh, you know, they, we did, let's see, there were a total of $72,000 worth of sales of Revenge Proofs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Matt, I have to be uh, honest. I haven't looked at the Revenge Proofs. I do not have them in front of me. Um, okay. Are there, we talked about, there... Yeah, we, we, we talked about the Boba Fett yesterday. Um, and that one wound up going for twelve thousand nine seventy nine. Um, high. I mean, it's it's within the range. It's on the lower side of the range, but that's the highest one by you know a, a good chunk. Would the you second high? Would you assume that that would be a new record for that particular proof? Um. Mm, I want to say a 90 went for more, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay. I think that's a record for an 85 that I've seen. I, I, I don't know everything that goes on behind the scenes, but, sure. um, and that's quite a, lot a of bit. Stuff, yeah. A lot of the stuff changes hands behind the scenes. So it's, it, um, it's hard to say on, on guys and some of this stuff, but, um, it, I think it's safe to say that this Boba Fett was, Probably the highest 85 that, uh, that's transacted. The second highest, do you, can you guess which uh, which one it was? I think when I was, I think when I was guessing originally when we were discussing this, I think I said that it would be, the Boba Fett would be the highest by a margin, a large margin, and then it would be the Luke, the blank back proof, and then the R2-D2. Yep. Uh, you've got the, those, those are the top four. Um, it goes Boba Fett 1 at just under 13K. And then the blank test proof. Oh, uh, wow. For 84, 8437. That was that, a really, really high price for that. I, w- I was going to say, I think that is a record because I, I thought that they were somewhere in the $3,500 to $5,500 range. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. The uh, the next is the Luke, and it went for $5,603. And then uh, the R2, the blank nameplate, uh, $5,192. The price of the Luke seems high for what it is, but I think in terms of this auction, that price makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's just not, it's, it's high, but not just astronomically high. Right. Uh, and then the only other one that went over 5,000 was Jawa at an 85 plus went for 5,062. And that is, uh, no. Okay. I mean, I'm guessing the Jawa is a tough one to get. 
It's not. Um, <laughs> it's it's got one of the lower range. Like uh, it had a thousand to two thousand. Um, so it way overperformed its expectation. Um, I've never known this one to be tough to get. So maybe the I person they're all who equally won- tough to get, but like I, I've seen a bunch of the Jawas out there in circulation. So maybe the person who bought the prune face also went for this Jawa proof. Maybe. Okay. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, how did um, the other ones perform? Uh, the next one is the again Imperial Tie Fighter pilot. That one was a thousand to two thousand estimate. It did forty two fifty five. Wow. I know. And then <laughs> this one is probably the most surprising. Vespin security, security Guard, our old friend, AFA-85. Now, these are routinely available on Facebook. I would say that, you know, a couple of them pop up every year. Mm-hmm. And they usually go for between 1000 and 1500 Do they I mean, even go that high? Because I have to be honest, I own one. And I don't think that the prices have really cleared $1,000. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean... I, I've known some have sold for 700 and 750. Um, okay. But I think now you, you would probably see them at a thousand minimum. But this one <laughs> range was thousand and two thousand went for four thousand and twenty four dollars for a best yes. security guard. Yes. Yes. For a best security guard. Yes. I was going to guess fifteen hundred. No, no. Um, it went for it. It went for four thousand dollars. Yeah. Coming up next on Hakes, <laughs> my, my best, More best security. security guard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that's that's absurd. Yeah. Um, that's absurd. The next one is. So it's it's Ben Kenobi proof card. Mm-hmm. I bid on this one. Full disclosure. Wait, um, stop, stop, stop. You mean to tell me that a Bespin security guard sold for more money than the Obi Wan? Yes. Yes, okay. and okay. Chewbacca and Leia and IG eighty eight. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and Hoth Trooper. <laughs> and Snaggletooth. <laughs> and Tusken Raider. And two one B. Yeah. four thousand dollars, really, really. Hey, the eighty five plus man, these eighty five pluses. Um, you know, the Jawa was eighty five plus. Luke was eighty five plus. Bespin Guard eighty five plus. Now this Ben, this lowly Ben here, was only an eighty five. I bid on this one. Normally, this is a fifteen hundred dollar item. Right, all day. I, I remember when I first saw it for $1,500 at Chicago Celebration in 2019, and I thought it was crazy that it was at $1,500. With that as a frame of reference, um, I bid on this one until it hit this price, and I was like, I'm I'm out. It just doesn't make any sense. It went for $3,658. Do you think that that's 
the result of the new Obi-Wan show or is it just yes or is it just this overall market in general and what we're seeing like this overall auction in general where where the prices are just I mean again I would say to you you could buy you could buy one of the two a Bespin security guard proof or a hand painted Kez Iben hard copy an original figural hard copy from Kenner for like a third of the price. Half. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you don't want that painted hard copy garbage. I mean, come on now. You def- you clearly want the best with security guard. 85 plus, I guess. You, you, you need that. Um, the rest of the revenge proofs are... You know, right around, on average, I'd say two grand. Um, nothing else really sticks out as being worth calling out. Okay. Uh, we talked about the Bib Fortuna quality control sign off. That went for only twenty two oh nine. Usually, we see those around three thousand or so. So that was. Uh, I think because it was a 77, not his debut, probably heard that a little bit, but I was surprised to see that one go for so little. The 65 A's are tough and they're, they are heavily desirable. I think with this one, yeah, because it was a 75, there really isn't much to it. It's not like, I don't, I don't think with this one, there are differences in the, the bubble or the figure. You know, a lot of times we see, we see that with, um, with modern samples, you know, they'll, they'll come with a, um, a QC uh, sign-off card that'll have you know the changes that need to be made, or we'll see some some physical differences. I think with this, I mean, sadly, it's it's essentially a carded figure with a label affixed to the top, you know, a small label affixed to the top of it with a with a signature. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I mean, maybe that in this in this market and in in this auction, maybe that's a value pickup. I don't know. Let's also, see. just no, to clarify for a second, just just to to reorient everything, we are not exaggerating with any of these prices. We are not making them up. Um, we are literally reading them off of the Hakes auction, and these are the actual prices that were realized. And what's crazy is we we know a lot of people who are bidding on this stuff. Um, we have friends in the community uh, who were going after certain pieces. Um, but all of this is crazy. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this. All right, so we've just talked about revenge proofs. Let's look at some of the other prototype stuff from this. Uh, pretty cool item here. B-Wing, not the B-Wing pilot, not the $1,000 B-Wing pilot. This is the B-Wing vehicle first shot. Um this had a, to me, this is like one of the better buys in this auction. Um, had a five to $10,000 estimate. And I haven't looked at the price. Okay. What, so, what do you think it went for? I'm going to say it goes under the range. Uh, so the estimate was five to 10. I say it's going to land up somewhere around, it's going to wind up somewhere around, $4,600. Very close. 40, uh, 4803 
Oh, okay. For so a first shot wide vehicle? Of, yeah, first shot vehicle. Yeah, it's a great vehicle, too. Um, just a cool, it's a cool toy. Um, and then we also had another first shot. We talked about the Emperor that was a U90 grade, and it was in that kind of that charcoal, darker color plastic. Um, I think there was some definite interest in this one. Range was two to 5,000 and it wound up going for 4,154. That seems to be much higher than it's been over the past few years because there have been a few of them. I don't know if we're looking at, you know, a darker robe as opposed to a lighter robe that we've seen. A lot of the ones that are similar to production seem to have sold somewhere in that $2,500 range. Is that correct? Yeah, that's uh, two to three thousand is kind of the range they've been going for. Um, most of the ones you see are in that production color gray. Um, there must have been a big find of those at one point because there are quite a few of them out there. Um, but we'll talk about it uh, when we get to Power of the Forest, but that charcoal color, colored uh, Anakin first shot went for quite a bit as well. Um, so I'm hoping like the one person won both of those because those would look really cool on the display next to each other. It would look really nice, yes. Master and Apprentice. Spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, now this one, this was one of the worst performers of the entire auction here. Um, Jabba the Hutt Tail Rotocast. Now this is the metal mold used to make um, the... Job of the Hut tail at one point. Like I, I don't know if this is like the final mold or if this was like a like a test mold, but um, it was just the tail portion, so nothing to do with the head. It had a range of five to ten thousand for the estimate, and it wound up only selling for thirty one forty one. Okay. I forget where we predicted this one would be. Um, I. I think we said towards the lower side, but I think we we thought it would be in the range still. I think you're right. Matt, I'm noticing something. It, it seems like with some of these prototypes or some of the pieces that aren't graded, they seem to be underperforming. And I wonder if people are looking for authenticated, graded cased items. You know, we don't know... We don't know the the you know the people that are bidding on this or you know the the audience mentality for this, but it just seems like a lot of the pieces that are loose and you know that maybe that come with a certificate of authenticity or a letter of authenticity um, are not performing as well as the ones that are coming cased and graded. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't know what a rotocast is. Um, and yeah, the, we also the, the piece just kind of looks. It doesn't display very well. It's not really intuitive what it is. Usually, like the rotocasts, the outside. It's hard to tell sometimes what the piece is by just looking from the outside, just by the nature of what it is. Um, so it's not a really attractive piece, especially if you don't have the head. Um. Yeah, I think we agreed that if the head was there, it would have gone for much more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
So uh, definitely worth uh, was worth mentioning here. Um, box flat. There's a Scout Walker box flat graded CAS eighty, and it was I think the biggest percentage off of its estimate of all the items in the auction. Scout Walker. The box flat for the Scout Walker, yeah. So these were Revenge of the Jedi box flats, and that was really the most appealing part to them. Um, the the two biggest ones seem to be, or the the two largest ones seem to be the Scout Walker and the Battle Damage X-Wing. Um, Hakes had estimated that the Scout Walker would do something in the range of $2,000 to $5,000. Matt, where did it wind up? It wound up at $1,416. So about the same price as a carded Ugnaught. Uh, right, right, which is bonkers, but here we are. Um, yeah, the, the, the X-Wing Metal Damage Box Flat CAS 75 Plus, it went for 2369 so it exceeded its estimate on the high end. So... Um, you know, I think it just had to do with the fact that it was a uh, a less desirable vehicle. Yeah, and the the X wing selling beyond the um, the Scout Walker seemed to make sense to me. That you know, people in Hake's auctions seem to go for pieces that are connected to the X wing. We've seen that in the past. Um, I was surprised that this one was higher. I just figured it was maybe rarer that there were fewer examples available, but. Um, all four were nice pieces. Yeah, and we had a, a laser rifle laser rifle carry case <clears throat> box flat that was AFA eighty, and it was only it only went for four hundred fifty four dollars. So well below its estimate. The That's shocking not, too. Not, not entirely popular here. These box flats. Oh, okay. That was a box flat. I, I'm sorry. I thought that was a, a proof proof sheet. Okay. Yeah. No, you're right there. That was a Return of the Jedi one too. Yeah. I, I guess. I guess honestly, people really aren't aware of what box flats are, um, and and you know the rarity and the story behind them. I, I, honestly, I mean, I think if these were just re- regular Return of the Jedi box flats, I don't even know if they would have hit these prices because I think people would have just expected that they were unused boxes right yeah agreed all right um i think that's about all for jedi garb i wanted to get your thoughts on one more piece um a big one that that was estimated to sell for five to ten thousand dollars this is the star wars return of the jedi collect all 65 figure store display it was graded at an afa 80 plus Really beautiful. We talked about this one in an earlier episode. It has um, it has the Return of the Jedi logo, and then it's um, the face of or the helmet of the Emperor's Royal Guard. To his right is Bib Fortuna. Behind them are is Chewbacca, uh, and then you have the Gamorrean Guard on the left, and then it looks like that is Chief Chirpa on the left as well. Yeah, this is a really nice. I, I like the way this one looks. Um, I've got uh, the estimate here at five to ten thousand, and it looks like it went for eight thousand one seventy-seven. So, 
right in the middle of that range. And I think that's kind of where we had this one pegged. And it's a beautiful piece. I mean, it says in the Hakes listing, too, that um, it is likely going to be very expensive to ship because it is so large and, and I think so heavy with the acrylic. Um, but a gorgeous piece. And yeah, that seems to be a fair price. Okay, so now we get into the Power of the Force section, uh, which seemed to be a very popular one. Um, Matt, I'm sure you have some awesome data points for this. Uh, anything in particular stand out to you? Uh, yeah, we saw some craziness going on here. Um, we, uh, overall power of the force production, uh, we saw some numbers in there that I don't think we've seen before in a lot of pieces, but we had about $60,000 worth of sales for power of the force, um, production items on card, another 3,100 in, in sealed box. So, uh, about 8% under its high estimate and 77% over the low. So right in the middle of, of kind of what was expected. Uh, but we did definitely have some uh, items that over um, performed the other ones. We'll get into those here. The one that I wanted to bring up the most, which um, we'll talk about the carded stuff first, but you know, we talked about the Luke, Stormtrooper being so popular. Um, it, it was expected to go from two to 5,000. It was within that range, but it wound up going for $3,764. I think where it went is sort of where maybe, maybe it's a little higher than where they've been selling. There was one on eBay that we talked about recently that sold for 3,500. So seeing it sell at that price wasn't crazy. Um, I think the Hakes estimate was a little high for where these have been. You know, I, th I think um, they they seem to have been selling in sort of that two to three thousand dollar range. So I guess the two thousand to five thousand makes sense. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't think we've seen. Have you seen one sell for? In the, in the five to six thousand dollar range, I know I've seen some clear no. ones, but yeah, I, I have, have not seen one that's yellow. Now, there's one currently on eBay that is eighty five yellow unpunched, but it's got two subgrades of ninety, and it's uh, up there for thirty nine ninety nine. So, yeah, for forty dollars, you can't go wrong. <laughs> I think it'll be uh, one of these days. Soon, I think someone's going to snatch that up because those two subgrades of 90. But uh, the item that that uh, outperformed the market by the, the biggest was um, this Wicket W. Warrock. W, uh, w stands for Wistry. The Wistry, by the way, yeah. He's sophisticated, this Wicket. Um, pieces done it all together. Um, it was expected to go <laughs> between four and seven hundred dollars. SDQ, sweet David Quinn. Yes. Where did this one end up? I have to be honest, and I, I could be wrong because I, I I haven't looked at it yet, and I can't remember. I think it went for twenty two hundred. 
That is correct. If you were to add another thousand dollars to it, <laughs> so it went for three thousand dollars, thirty thousand, three thousand one hundred eighty-six dollars. You heard that correct. <laughs> three thousand one hundred eighty-six dollars. Make it make sense. The world loves its whistry. I don't know what else to say. That. 32, is it, you said 3,200, right? Uh, yes. That number again, 3,186. Okay. No words, man. No words. Now, this is clear bubble. It is a clear bubble. It, it, I mean, to me, this one seems to be one of the most common figures on a clear bubble for the Power of the Force line. It is an 85 unpunched, no price stickers. It is gorgeous. Is it 3186 gorgeous? I don't know. That's crazy. The estimate's $400 to $700. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely thought that was worth bringing up because... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's see what else we got here worth talking about. Uh, Anakin Skywalker. We talked about this with the Emperor. The first shot, 85 plus, charcoal robe. Uh, estimate was five to 10,000. And that was a healthy estimate. And it blew right past it. It uh, wound up going for just under $13,000. Matt, did you expect this one to sell at that, at that price? No. Because we've seen them in the past, and, and for some reason, I mean, yeah. I just, I think I was, I felt like it would be somewhere around maybe a five to six thousand dollar piece, maybe at the high end of eight. Yeah, five thousand was the number that kind of stuck out in my mind as being like what this would go for, the low end of that range. There, um, you know, we talked about that that painted. Hard copy with the paint shift showed up on auction a while back. I think it went for mid thirty thousands. The one without the paint chips sold at Hakes, and and that sold for I think it was thirty five. Thirty five, yeah, that makes sense. And that's that's what I was thinking of. I thought it had the chips with it, but this one, uh, I would I wonder what the what that hard copy is worth now. Did the first shots going for? 13,000 that hard copy has got to be God, whoever bought that's probably liking the fact that this first shot went so high um, let's see what else we got some of the harder to find power of the force Yoda 85Y this one went for nine, $9,475 I have to be honest with you. I felt that the Yoda sold for less than I guess I was expecting it to sell for, you know, compared to the rest of the auction and the way the auction was going with this one being just, you know, one of the higher grade ones, one that that's, you know, infinitely harder to get in this condition and you know, without a cracked bubble. Um, I just, you know, I, I was expecting it to go somewhere around $12,000. Still, $10,000 is pretty incredible for a carded Yoda. Yeah. Um, 
Nikto, another elusive power of the force. Uh, 75 Y. Now it's got the bubble protector, so that's good to see. Uh, this one wound up going for 8,614. And we mentioned 75Y. The Gamorian Guard, another tough to find one. Uh, 75Y. It went for 5,012. To me, those seem to be around the prices that they've sold for in the past. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't Not recall exact ranges, but I mean, would you say that that's pretty, those are pretty fair prices for them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now we start getting into the craziness here. Luke Jedi, 85Y, estimate 1 to 2,000. This one went for $2,359. How's that make you feel? I remember when they were going for four and $500. Um, like a don't month think, ago? <laughs> just, I, I don't think I'd ever... I didn't think I'd ever see it sell in, in that range. Um, is that the new price? Maybe not. Um, but I'm sure it's probably not that far off, especially with the rising popularity of Luke Jedi with him being in the Mandalorian and the book of Boba. Um, yeah, that that's a shocking value for this one. Yeah. Um, and then I'm sorry, this one, These two here. We've got Stormtrooper, 80Y, and Luke Skywalker X-Wing, 75Y. I don't know what either of them ended at. Their ranges are 700 to 1,000, which is high for what those figures are. They're not hard to find at all. The Stormtrooper is harder to find, though, than the Luke X-Wing. Yeah, it, but it's not like... It's not crazy hard to find. Um, and the Stormtrooper is 80 condition and Luke X-Wing is 75 condition. They both went for about 1750 bucks. Wow. Just shocking. Wow. Matt, I have one that's slightly shocking that I'd like to share with you. Um, so the Power of the Force Jawa... It appears to be one of the more common Power of the Force figures. I feel like they just produced cases of these at one point. Um, this one's graded at an 85. Have you seen what the, the final value was for this? Yes. It was expected to sell between $700 and $1,000. And I think you and I would both agree that that seems rather high for a 92-back Power of the Force Jawa. What is Very for? high. Uh, in the immortal words of K2SO, it's high. It's very high. Uh, $1,210. That makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, no. No. In fact, it beat out the Lando Calrissian general pilot, which again was graded at an 85 and sold for $921. And it's, yeah, the, same, that... it's the same price as a Han Carbonite graded at an 85 uh, those are heavily desirable now. I'm, I'm a little surprised that this one sold for $1,300. Um, I would have expected it to sell kind of in a similar range of what we're seeing with 
the Stormtrooper, the Luke X-Wing, maybe even, you know, the, the Jedi Knight Luke. Um, I think I mentioned to you there was a comparable sale on eBay back in December, and I think it one sold for 2200 at the same grade. Ah. Interesting. This one's surprising here. Han Trenchcoat. That's all, he's tougher to find on Power of the Force. He's not like Yoda and those guys, but he's like harder to find than Jawa and Stormtrooper and Luke Skywalker, X-Wing. This one's $75, uh, but it went for $910. Yeah, that's one that has consistently been one of the, the bigger sellers uh, and, and one that's just tougher to find. Generally, overall, tougher to find. Um, I, you and I, I think we're both surprised at this one. Yeah, for sure. Where, where would you, where would you have expected to see this one sell? Well, based on some of these other closings, you know, 2000, 1500. Right. Yeah. I think 1500 makes sense. Um, there is one figure though, that is a, I'll say a pretty common figure, even common carded. Um, but we're just, we're seeing for some reason, the Hakes sales of this one, uh, are, are, are getting to be pretty high where it's really noticeable. I think we're, this is going to be one of those staples that we're going to see in, in each auction, hopefully. Um, so at the last Hakes auction, an Imperial Gunner graded at an 85 sold for $3,500. We covered that in the Power of the Force part of the, the look at the auction. And an 80 with a yellow bubble just sold. Uh, the estimate was 1000 to 2000 Matt, what did this sell for? It sold for, surely it didn't sell for nearly as much as the Wicked W. Warwick. Uh, it's it sold for slightly under the Wicked W. Warwick. Wait, it sold for under? Under the Wicked W. Warwick. Oh, wow. Okay. It sold for $2,284.48. Wow. Yeah. And that's for an 80 um, 80s are quite common, um, yeah. You know, but but it just seems like this figure has almost stepped into its own level. Uh, it, it's on it's on its own tier as far as as pricing and value, um, and it, it's it's you know clearly stepped away from something like an Amana Man that sold for in the same grade. Or actually, it sold uh, as an eighty five for a thousand dollars. So craziness, <clears throat> yeah. So I think one of the trends that we're seeing here with the power of the force stuff is that no matter what it is, if it has a coin, generally uh, the, the prices are pretty good and, and likely either up against the high end of the estimate or, or sometimes well over the, the high end. Yeah, these are definitely uh, a lot pop, more popular now than they were just a couple of years ago. Mm. People were kind of turned off by the yellow bubbles and... Um, now that I would say folks have kind of over started overlooking that and, and um, yeah, they're going after these in a big way. Now we get into the final part of the auction, which contained items from droids and Ewoks. Uh, there weren't many in there. In fact, there were, there seemed to be only one Ewoks piece and then the rest were droids, but um, uh, a number of them were pre-production pieces. And then we end with that really big one, the carded droids Boba Fett graded at an 80Y. So, Matt, I know we're working with a limited uh, 
number of, of items here as far as data points go, but is there anything that you can tell us from from the results of these? Well, we talked about that FET. I mean, it was in our top 10 at just under 21,000. That just continues the trend of that piece being incredibly popular. Um, they weren't that hard to find. You know, they weren't that popular in the like 90s, 2000s. And then um, like people, I, like, I recall those were just coming out of clearance and people had them and, and it's just really easy to get. And I never picked one up because they were so common. I just figured I'd always kind of get one later and just never pull the trigger on one. And now, I mean, they're, they're probably one of the top five hottest pieces right now. Absolutely. It's we that one, about. the Bespin security guard proof card. The clear bubble wicket W Warwick. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> Prune face. Yeah. Yeah. It's right there with those staples of the hobby. Um, outside of that one, um, there was a, the lone Ewoks was um, chief Chirpa, the unproduced unpainted first shot, non-production colors. It wound up going for just over the low end of the estimate of 5,219. Um, and then there was a Kia Mall first shot from Droids that performed just over the high end of the estimate at uh, 2,104. Um, to me, we've talked about this a hundred times so far in the last two segments, but Kez Iben hand-painted hard copy. The steel of this entire auction completely hammered it under sixteen hundred bucks at fifteen eighty four. This is a travesty. Yeah. Congratulations to whomever decided to to go for this one and and, and lock it down because fifteen hundred dollars for a hard copy is just it's incredible. Yes. So kudos to whoever got that. Um, well, especially if that other arm ever turns up. What a deal! If I ever get that arm, though, I'm going to charge $8,000 for it. <laughs> uh, that's good. I like that. That's really about it. Um, anything we missed? No, I think we covered everything. Um, and so now if we were to kind of pull the camera back or, or pull the, the – um, if we were to step back for a second and, and take a, a larger look at things and, and – maybe glean a few of the, the larger overall trends from this section and, and from the overall auction. Um, you know, it, it really seems like, according to your stats, Matt, that carded figures right now are arguably the most popular part of a Hake Star Wars auction, that they're the most desirable pieces, that they're constantly reaching not only the the range of the estimate that Hakes puts, but they're also, you know, getting toward that top end or surpassing it and sometimes doubling it. Yeah. Um, let, let's see here. Put some stats into perspective. So there were, let's see, just over $1.2 million worth of sales all in with the buyer's premium. Um, 
of that, 802,000 was production material. So what's that? Two-thirds? Um, yeah, and you're, you're just talking about Star Wars stuff. You're not talking about the rest of the auction. Star this Wars. is just Star Wars did a million just by Star itself. Wars. Million two, million two. Um, with with buyer premium, and then the the production stuff was uh, the only kind of segment between display production prototype that exceeded the the high end of the the auction without the buyer premium. Um, with the buyer premium, it was just about five percent off that high high range high part of the range, and then the the prototypes in contrast were about twenty eight percent below the high end. So a really big delta um, between the, the production stuff and the prototype stuff is as far as what was expected. Um, yeah. Within production, uh, you know, we mentioned the big clear winner was empire strikes back blew away the high end of the range for, uh, for the production stuff there. Um, and then, you know, Jedi, we talked about how good the 65 backs were Jedi all around, uh, was 2% higher than the high end of the range. And then Star Wars, the first movie, was 12% below the high end of the range for production. Um, so as we were kind of previewing the auction, we thought that the areas we would see kind of take that next step would were those 20 backs and the 31 backs, um, which they did. It's just the 41 backs and the 65 backs. Really, we saw a good movement there earlier than I think we we were expecting. And the clear bubbles have always been popular and they always do garner a premium. I think we're seeing a level of that premium that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really anxious to see what the next auction is going to look like. Um, now I talked with Kelly at, at Hakes a little bit last night once the auction ended and um, I said, man, I bet you're going to be inundated with uh, consignments here before too long. And he, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So um, I mean, people want to capitalize on this market strike while the iron's hot. And um, hopefully we can, I, I would be curious to see uh, some more pro- high profile prototype pieces come into the market. Um, not not the the J slots and the L slots, you know those are kind of their own thing. I'd like to see some, you know, some Dynacasts or some Carbolon hard copies show up at Hakes and some harder to find first twelve, first twenty, first shots turn up. Um, I'd like to see what a, if a sculpt ever turned it up turned up on the open market, see what it would go for. Um, I'd like to see what some card art would go for. In a, in I an think open that's setting. something that we could see. Um, I was thinking about that last night. You know, um, we've seen some of the droids and Ewoks original uh, card art change hands, and of course, you know, there are uh, photo art pieces out there for you know the original trilogy. So it would be nice to see even just one of those pieces make it into a bigger auction like this, where um, you know, again, I, I think that would be a, a a highlight of the auction and definitely a spotlight piece. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, Hayes clearly has a production customer here, um, looking at their auctions and bidding on it. And, um, I would like to see 
what we can do to get more uh, interest around the pre-production stuff here because um, for whatever reason, it's just not resonating nearly as much as the, uh, the production stuff. Sure. And I think a lot of that comes with um, knowledge and education. You know, if people aren't familiar with these items, a lot of times, you know, they, they tend to look like in, in the case of the Bib Fortuna, it looks very similar to a normal Bib Fortuna card. Or in the case of the the lower half of the Jawa Rotomold cast, um, it, it doesn't it doesn't look much it doesn't look like much because it's missing a, a part of it, you know. So we get these pieces, um, and and I think honestly, a lot of the collectors are maybe more general collectors who are looking for specific carded figures that either they had growing up or they're looking for specific runs, and that that tends to be the focus. Um, but I don't think that that should deter people from putting pieces pre-production pieces into an auction like this because you do get the most eyeballs on it. And, you know, it, it just comes down to the desirability of the piece. Like Matt, you said, if, if something like a, a 12 back first shot, uh, one of the first 12 figures came up as a first shot or, you know, photo art appeared or, or even like a, you know, a Dynacast or Carbolon hard copy, uh, I think those would command inc- impressive and incredible numbers. Yeah, I agree. Um, hopefully one day we'll see it, um, yeah, there's always that possibility. And especially now, you know, I think the last auction for us, it, it seemed to be like it was um, it was getting the attention of the larger collecting world for Star Wars items. And, I, you know, you and I, we had anticipated seeing an auction of this caliber showing up. It may be not even of this caliber. I think it was still a surprise for, for both of us. Um, but I think we're going to see much more of that now. And I, I think people are going to be interested in bringing out pieces that people haven't seen. Um, we've, we've seen that with some of Gus Lopez's stuff where he's, he's had some of those uh, power of the force unproduced card backs, you know, or proof cards um, that have been really exciting. And they've, they've, you know, generated some, some high levels of bidding and, and some high dollar values too. Yeah. Um, it's, it's uh, it's an interesting time to be in the hobby. I think you know my friends and and I, I'm talking to them and just hearing them talk and hearing their thoughts over the years. I think that maybe the consensus was that prices would maybe top out um, with uh, you know right. the. the the sequel trilogy coming out and and that's really what kind of ramped up interest in pricing to begin with was when force awakens was announced and um started becoming you know real and tangible as you saw you know trailers come out and, and leaks come out and people were getting really excited about it um and then i think that 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 kind of spurred the pricing on whenever whenever that's trilogy kind of came and went i think at the end of the day just kind of underwhelmed um i think that people thought that that was kind of the high like it would just kind of maybe not go down but just kind of linger there for a while um i think a lot of people sold a lot of things to kind of capitalize on pricing at the time and um i 
I, I know a lot of people that did that, and I don't think that it was in their wildest imagination that prices would be where they are right now. This kind of soon after um, what was thought to be kind of the high point of, of pricing a couple of years ago. And so that was around December of 2019 where Rise of Skywalker came out. And the month before was where The Mandalorian first season premiered. So we had this this interesting transition at that point. And then really, you know, um, a few months later, we had the, the quarantine where people were then home. They were rewatching shows like The Mandalorian and Rebels and Clone Wars and getting back into Star Wars, getting back into the original films and looking at their collections and getting and having time to be home and to collect. And I think that just spurred a lot of this, you know, this collector's mentality now that um, has been so pervasive in our, in our uh, community. Yeah. And uh, it's cool to see, like, you know, my people ask me like, what, you know, what should I collect? And I always collect what you love. Um, you shouldn't collect as an investment. You should collect because you enjoy it and it brings you joy. Um, so the, you know, the, the people that just kind of stuck with it, that, that collected from the sheer love of, of the line and, and things like that, you know, they've been rewarded with, with kind of the prices and where they were. So, um, is it going to continue? Like, it sounds to me like your thought is like, this is just kind of the beginning of kind of the next, uh, wave of crazy pricing. Um, you know, I, we talked about this a little bit on the podcast leading up to this was um, the the difference in the markets of toys compared to comics and sports cards. It's so night and day. Like there's such a gigantic leap when getting out of toys into those other areas of pop culture collecting. And then we're starting to see in props too, like movie props and TV props, things like that. Toys are so affordable compared to those other areas that, you know, even though the, the prices have gone crazy of late, they're still much more reasonably priced than those other areas. Um, so I could see where it would be uh, attractive to someone with an investment mentality, but um yeah, who's to say that uh, the prices won't go up even farther than where they are now? I think that, you know, uh, it's going to discourage a lot of people. I know a lot of people are upset with the the performance of this of this uh, Hakes auction because it's going to make items that they still need for their collections harder and harder to get. Um, so I, I, I don't want to tell those people, like, I want you to collect what you love, but it's, it's becoming harder and harder for a lot of folks. And I was just reading some of the comments of um, one of the links you posted to a previous podcast. And someone was mentioning, you know, that very fact that, that they're being kind of priced out of, of the, of the hobby. And I, uh, I hate to see that. Yeah. And especially, I mean, we've seen, if, if you were to chart prices from the nineties on, um, we've seen the prices of, of this stuff rise steadily, and there have been, you know, dips and spikes as it's gone on. It it 
and it essentially operates like a good stock, you know, where over time it just, it does really well, but, um, but it's that kind of slow, steady growth. And then in the last two years, I mean, it's just, it's, it's skyrocketed to the point where it is leaving a lot of people behind. Um, I, I think part of it is collectors and investors and, and people just piling back into the hobby and, you know, trying to, to get stuff and whether that's a, result of, of collecting during quarantine or, or whatever it is, um, you know, that's an ample part of it. But I also think that a lot of these items for so long just were undervalued. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would love, I would love to still be able to get a lot of these pieces at, at prices that I consider to be solid ones or, or value ones. Um, but I, you know, I think, you know, we looked at something like um, the, the 41 back Han, which, you know, you and I were talking about that before the auction ended, and we were just surprised that it hadn't really received the love that it deserved over these decades. Um, you know, it was kind of thought of thought of as like a, you know, a, a tertiary figure in a way when it was really a main main figure or even, you know, something like the Luke Bespin or whatever, you know, any any one of the ones from Empire and Jedi were not forgotten, but just. It was like the 12 backs and then everything else was sort of kind of in the same realm until you got to the power of the force figures. And I think now a lot of those individual pieces are starting to be recognized. People are looking for, you know, high quality, high grade examples. So like, that's another point too, like with something we were talking about the $1,400 Ugnaught before that's for that specific one because it's on a debut card and it's straight 85s and clear bubble. But it doesn't mean that every single Ugnaught that you see is going to be that. Or like every single Dengar is now going to be $3,500. Um, we were fortunate in this auction to have some of the highest graded quality pieces in one in one auction, one catalog. And we don't usually see that. So for the ones that are you know, more of like either ungraded or 75s, 80s, somewhere around there, you're not going to see these, these huge premiums that people are putting on to ones that we saw in this auction. Um, and I, I would just say to people, if you have a chance, if you have toy shows and comic shows and even card shows around you and you're able to attend them, visit them because that's where you're able to pick up a lot of these good pieces for good prices. Um, you know, if you have a toy shop near you as well too, frequent those toy shops, let these people know who own them, that you are a collector um, a lot of times collectors will help other collectors out. Um, we are seeing crazy prices and, you know, Matt, you and I have, have, have always been collectors who have just loved this stuff, you know, for so long, for literal decades. So, you know, talking about the prices is fun, um, but it's not the centers of our world. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, I don't think that the prices will ever be, that's that center for us um, because we just love this stuff so much. We love the minutia of it. We love looking at, you know, the, the details and the different sub backs and, and, and all that stuff. And it's fun to watch these as values. I, I think as long as we keep a perspective on that, and as long as collectors keep a similar perspective on that, um, you know, hopefully that will combat this, this momentum of what is this thing worth? I want, you know, looking for a piece in order to, to, to sell it somewhere, you know, and, and to, to flip this stuff or, or whatever's happening right now with a, a large part of the market. Yeah. And one other thing that 
I don't know if this is driving it or not, but um, at some point, it sounds like later on this summer, interest rates are going to start going up above zero where they're currently at. Um, so money is going to become, um, uh, uh, well, a little bit harder to come by, a little bit more expensive. Um, so it could take some of the speculating out a little bit, uh, but I don't think it'll have a material effect. I think these, uh, I think these prices are being driven by investors getting into the community and looking to kind of arbitrage the difference between toys and comics and and uh, and sports cards. Just the the dollar, because I think it's got more upside to appreciate in toys than these other areas. I I think that's what's driving a, a big part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think for anyone who wants to just get a, a bigger scope of, of where these toys have gone, um, you can actually use the Hakes website and you can do a search and then click on uh, include past auctions as well. And so if you were to search something like Star Wars Luke, it'll turn up all of the Lukes that have sold over the, the past few years, I think since Hakes really started to sell this stuff. Uh, I think 2017 on, you know, is really the... the starting with the Russell Branton collection. Um, but you can, you know, you can see where the prices have gone. And, and some of them, you know, in, in those those earlier years, uh, 2017, 2018, some of the prices were crazy. And then in 2019 and maybe early 2020, they really started to dip. You know, we, we've talked about this. I think there was a Vinyl Cape Jawa, either graded at an 80 or an 85, carded, that sold for something like... Uh, $8,000 in March of 2020, you know, and then by the beginning of 2021, I think we were then seeing something like a, you know, uh, an 85 sell for 25,000. So it does fluctuate. It comes and goes. Um, the best thing to do though, honestly, is just to have patience to collect what you love, to seek stuff out. Um, but to have that patience and to not buy the first thing that pops in front of your eyes, you know, and just to, to, you know, Sometimes it takes, you know, years to find a good piece and that's okay. It's, that's part of the collecting journey. It's not actually getting the thing, but it's, it's sort of getting there and getting that right one. So just keep your eyes open for the right piece, you know, for your, for your collection. Um, be willing to, to wait for it, you know, and, and to seek out the ones that you really want for the prices that you want. And if the prices are too high right now and, and it's stressing you out, um, don't be a part of that, you know, Step, step away from that because a lot of times this hype does come and go. Um, we're at a point right now where it's at levels we've never seen before. Matt, I think you'd, you'd agree. We've, uh, we've never seen anything like this. Uh, yeah, this is so far past like where we've seen before. Like it's usually these things kind of are iterative. Like they just kind of take the next logical step and just kind of, you know, meander that's way up. This is like a, not only is this a leap, this is a leap across a gigantic chasm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's nothing like I've ever seen before. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, this blows the kind of the force awakens effect into like, it just takes it to not at the next level, like 10 levels beyond that. Right. Well, the next catalog and the next auction will be uh incredibly exciting and uh hopefully we'll be able to to check that out together um matt i i just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to do this again we have no affiliation to hakes we're just we're two collectors who love to 
kind of dive into this stuff and dig deep and learn about the stuff and talk and laugh together. And, and that's what this has really been. Um, if anyone is looking to get a copy of that uh, spreadsheet that you have that really dissects this particular Hakes auction, um, Matt, again, if you could just tell people how they could get in touch with you for it. Sure. It's uh, mattgeorge512 at gmail.com or just shoot me a, uh, a message on Facebook and I can get it emailed over to you. And then if anyone would like a, a copy of the beautiful book, Engineering an Empire, that again, you wrote with our friends Stephen Ward and Gary Borbage, um, how, how can they obtain one? You can obtain one by going on our website at engineeringandempirebook.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash engineeringandempire. Fantastic. And it's, it's a wonderful read. It's really exciting. Um, you know, we're fortunate to have in our community of collectors, um, some of the people who worked on the line are people that we consider friends or people that we have in our groups on zoom chats and, um, and that, that we know we can contact them and ask them questions. Um, you know, some of them have written books, uh, they, they attend some of the conventions like the ICCC and, and celebration. So it's just, it's nice to be around people who are responsible for making and producing the toys that we love. And uh, Matt, I, I think the book that you, Stephen and Gary wrote, um, it's just, it's a great way to get to know these people better and to get to know, you know, kind of the, the, the flesh and blood behind the, the figures and the proof cards and the vehicles and play sets and everything else um, from the Star Wars Kenner line a beautiful, beautiful photos that you have in there um, of all the pieces and prototypes that are in this book. Uh, what is your favorite photo? Uh, well, my my all time favorite dream piece would be the Ben sculpt. I'm a Ben focus collector. Um, the Ben sculpt is my holy grail. Hasn't turned up. Um, I hope that it wasn't sculpted over. I hope it exists somewhere out there. Um, I hope that it surfaces one day because I would love to own that piece. Um, But of the items that we know exist, the Darth Vader sculpt uh, is my favorite. And I think I know who has it. I know he's had it at one point. I don't know if he would ever let it go. I know that there's someone that's trying to collect all the sculpts. Um, But there's a really nice photo of that piece in the book. Um, the guy who sculpted it, he also sculpted Barbie back in the day for Mattel. So he, he did like the, he put the original bend in Barbie's arm and legs. And so he, he did that iconic doll. And then he also did Darth Vader. And um, I thought that was pretty cool that, that uh, one man did both of those things. So um, that, that's the piece that I would like to own one day. Is it surreal to have grown up with these toys and then to now be meeting with the people who created them, uh, going into their homes and sitting and talking with them and interviewing them for a book that you and, and your friends wrote? It's definitely meta for sure. Um, <laughs> I am definitely glad we started down that path and we were able to finish the book. We're working on the second one now. Um, uh, it's I always like it's on. I've got a number of things on my bucket list still, and uh, writing a book is definitely on there. 
And so it's good to kind of cross that one off and then have it be related to a hobby that I've enjoyed over the last, what, 30 years made it even that much more special. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's very rewarding experience for sure. Awesome. Well, Again, the book is a great read. I thank you for taking the time to put that together uh, with our friends. That is a wonderful thing. Uh, and and again, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time out to have these conversations. I know a lot of people have contacted us and said that they you know really enjoy them and they've learned a lot, which is great. And uh, they also you know had the chance to see the craziness of this auction. So hopefully, you know these episodes. Uh, especially the ones you know after the auction ended, uh, gave you a better idea of what we're looking at now because this is, you know, it's just as we said, it's it's uncharted terrain right now, uh, especially with prices and stuff. And um, uh, I'll certainly be curious to see where we go from here. But again, Matt, just always a pleasure and a blessing doing this, and uh, I hope to do many more with you. Yeah, man, looking forward to the next one. All right, here's to the next one. All right. <laughs>